Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the things that I admire about mostly younger Christians is I I think their ability to overcome fear. They're the ones that will possibly go into areas that are kind of difficult and hard. And I've always admired that. I I remember being young a long time ago, and uh, I thought I was invincible with God. And so there's a little bit of that, and God uses that for his glory. Nathan, I I think God uses all things, you know, that he can turn even, he can redeem difficult things and hard things. But, you know, I think he does use that adventurous spirit in people, doesn't he? Oh, for sure. God wants to raise up people that eat fear for breakfast. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, not 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 a uh, foolishness. It might appear foolish, but you know that too many times we we call fear wisdom. I believe. Yeah. And it's not because wisdom is really seeing life from God's perspective. If we saw things how God saw things, this world, our difficult situations maybe even dangerous situations, if we saw them as God saw them, we wouldn't have fear. We would walk in faith. We would acknowledge the danger and the harshness of the, of, you know, the reality of the situation. Uh, but we would still walk in faith and step out trusting it's God, not to fear the, someone that can only take your body, but fear Amen. the one who, Amen. who controls your soul. Amen. If you're listening for the first time, this is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper. Yes, and it is a father and son duo. And uh, in the case of missions, it was the younger leading the elder into the importance of, of mission work. And I love to say this every once in a while. When I started looking at the Bible missionally, it changed everything. I'd always looked at it as the inspired word of God and instruction and, and help for life. But when I started looking at it missionally, it really did open up doors for opportunities. And so I hope you catch that, that the mission opportunities that God gives you. And it's today, as usual, most of the days, every once in a while, Nathan and I'll just do a teaching program. But most of the time we do interviews. And we have an interview here today that I really look forward to, uh, Brittany Burkeen. Yes, Did I get it right? <laughs> yes, okay, from Raymer, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. And her dad is Daniel. He's in the studio sitting in the corner, but he initiated this. He listens to Exploring the Word and Exploring Missions and all of AFR programming. And so if you're wondering what Exploring the Word is, that's the other program I do on AFR. But he said, I think it would be good for an interview. And when I heard about Brittany, I said, bring her on. And so thank you for coming, Brittany. Let us know where you are right now in your life. I know uh, Blue Mountain College is is part of your past, but tell us about where you are and what's going on. Yeah, uh, so I graduated Blue Mountain in 2015, and 
through my time at Blue Mountain, the Lord called me to missions and he began to shape that calling. That's something I'm always praying about is that he would shape that calling. So he shaped that calling. And since I graduated, I've been going to several places. And now I'm back at Blue Mountain College at their extension center for the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm in my first year there. And so I have two years left. My degree is in discipleship. So it's really focused on discipleship. And so I've been learning a lot about that. And then eventually I'm going to go full time on the mission field with the IMB. You mean to have a whole program on discipleship, yes, not church music and not theology, but discipleship? Yes, sir. Nathan, they're coming along, aren't they? That's great. <laughs> That's really great. You know why I'd say that? Because the Great Commission says what? Go yeah. and make disciples. make disciples of all the nations. And so that's exciting, Brittany. Well, we want to talk a little bit about not only what you're doing, but what you have done. I look over this and I see where you have been, but I see Japan repeatedly. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, do you have a heart for Japan? I Is do. that where this comes from? I do, yes. It's kind of a funny story. I, When the Lord led me to Japan, it was through a summer mission program at Blue Mountain College. Um, you can go. You can spend your summer for two months in another country or in the States. And the Mississippi Baptist Convention will help you do that. They'll pay part of your support. They'll set that all, all that up. Even so a girl really, from Tennessee? Even a girl from Tennessee. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And so that's really cool. Like the Mississippi Baptist Convention, they're awesome in helping get that set up. And so my first summer, I went to Kansas. And then after that, I ended up going to China. So I was so focused on China. And I loved China was where the Lord really opened my eyes to the world around me. I'm a little Tennessee girl, and then all of a sudden in the midst of 8,000 Chinese people. So culture shock, definitely. But so it was there that he really broke my heart for the lost and showed me the world. So then all of a sudden I come back, and I'm in my sophomore year at Blue Mountain looking at the summer mission program, and Japan comes up, and I didn't want to do that. I was really, I was all about China, and I was like, well, I want to go to Japan. Let's go to the other part of Asia. But I knew he was calling me, so I, I obeyed. But I can't say that I obeyed in the right spirit. And so it was my first week there. He had been convicting me of not obeying in the right spirit. And I remember my first week there, I was, I took some time away from my team just to be with him and to pray about my attitude. And I remember saying, Lord, help me to love the Japanese people. Because I knew that I couldn't love them. I couldn't be there that entire summer and not love them. And so I remember always praying, um, Lord, help me to love the Japanese people. And in my mind, I was just praying that for that summer. But it's so neat to see how he's <laughs> like he's answered that prayer in the past six, seven years. And he's compounded that con- prayer. <laughs> yeah, just completely filled my heart with a love for them. And yeah. Have you ever heard of compound interest, how it's supposed to work? And <laughs> yes. So this is compound love. Yeah. That's great. Japan is... Uh, I can't help but bring a little history to that, Nathan, and Nathan and I are both history buffs, and you may be as well, but when MacArthur, after World War II was over and they had signed the peace treaty, his suggestion was send missionaries to Japan, and that was his heart, and you could tell that now Japan has been a friend, but uh, it's, it's over there, very strategic, isn't it, at a location? It is. I mean, just the population, the numbers of people there in and of itself suggest a great harvest field, but also because of the uh, global commerce and economic systems and, and things, there, there's strategy in reaching, in reaching Japan. But beyond all of that, God loves Japanese people. God, 
Well, tell us a little bit about you've made how many trips to Japan um, now? Five. Five trips to Japan. Okay. Are they week long, month long, or different? Um, three of those were for two months, and two of those were for three weeks. Three weeks. Well, tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Well, my first trip, and actually the next two after that, were mainly focused on college ministry. So we would go, and um, they would train us, teach us a little bit about Japan. And then when we go, we would start our mornings mainly through prayer walking because prayer is the most important part of our ministry. And one of my favorite verses is Psalm 127.1, and it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. And so, like, when I go to Japan, I'm all, I know that God's already building there, so I don't want to build anything that's not of Him. So I'm always praying that I'll go in Him. So we begin our day with prayer. Um, we prayer walk around the university campus. And then we go and we find, We normally go to the lunchroom and we hang out in the lunchroom and try to find people to talk to. And that's not always easy with Japanese people because they're sometimes shy and sometimes I can be shy too. So that's when I have to get out of my comfort zone and say, okay, I can't be shy today. And so we'll go and we'll try to meet friends and then through that build a relationship so we can share the gospel in Japan, like here in America, door-to-door evangelism is a pretty good thing. But in Japan, it doesn't work, mainly because you're a foreigner. So I'm not Japanese, so it, they're not gonna, they're not really going to want to talk to me at first. So it's all about building that relationship in order to share Jesus with them. So that's really what our ministry is focused on, is a relational ministry. So I've worked with college students three of my times there, and was then, it at the same university, or was it oh, a different university different each time. time? Yes, sir, different cities. So um, one city was Nagoya. It's in the, near the south. And then there was Tokyo and then Takasaki. And I've been to Takasaki twice. There is a family in Takasaki, Jared and Tara Jones, and they have a church plant there. And so I helped out with a church plant one time, and um, I did ministry in the city. There's um, a lady that goes to their church, a Japanese lady. She has a Mexican restaurant. Mexican of all, of all things in Japan. I just yeah. have to say this is nothing that's relevant. But. <laughs> when you get to food and ethnic yeah. food, well, Nathan and Harper. Plus has. my ADD kicks in. And I have to say, did you know there are more Mexican restaurants outside of Mexico? So the U.S. and Canada each have more Mexican restaurants than, than are in Mexico. I don't know how that happens, but anyway. <laughs> anyway but cool. a, Ma- a Japanese lady working, yeah. owning a Mexican yeah. restaurant in Japan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Her and her sister, their name is Mie and Keiko. They own this Mexican restaurant, and they are Christians, so they have a heart to reach their own people, which is so beautiful. And so they use their restaurant as a ministry. So we'll go there, and um, Keiko, she tutors kids there. We have English lessons there. We have conversation exchange. That's a big thing, conversation exchange. Do they want to learn English? They love learning English. They do. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they love learning English. So they'll come to learn English, and through teaching them English, we can share the gospel with them. Right. And we use the Bible to teach them. So it's it's really neat how that— You know, God using America in such a way that because of the commerce and because of our— I guess, social issues that come from us and the world wanting to learn English. It's an opportunity for Christians beyond measure. Even when you guys were in Clarkston, Georgia, English as a second language was a very vital part of that, yeah, wasn't it's a, it? It's a important and very not just practically useful, but also uh, a platform to build relationships in order to share the gospel. English as a second language, learning English, any kind of language learning, but especially English 
because it's so popular and needed, is a wonderful tool. And that can be done anywhere in the community where you are listening today. There probably is a need for English teachers, and you don't actually have to be an English teacher. You can be you that know, would from, be good. You can me. be from Northeast <laughs> Mississippi or Southern Tennessee, yeah. and and have an accent, but still speak and and teach English. Well, using I want to get back to Japan, but using English as a second language. You've picked up on that now? Yes, Is sir. that part of what you're doing yeah, now? Yeah, it is. So this year I started working with the First Baptist Church here in Tupelo. Tupelo, they have Mississippi. An, they have an ESL program that meets on Monday mornings from 9 to 11. The lady over that, Judy Land, she has a huge heart for internationals. She loves the Lord and she loves internationals. So it's so neat to see how the Lord is using her. And we have different class breakups and teach English for two hours. And then we do stuff outside of class. And so... I go there and I help out when I can, and I love it. I There was a couple weeks ago, there were seven Japanese women in my class, and my heart was so happy. I just, you, fe- you felt at home. I did. The, I yeah. did. <laughs> felt at home I could Japanese. understand them, yeah. and um, I, could, I understood words that they were saying that maybe some others couldn't because I was familiar with the Japanese. And so it was really neat how the Lord's using that. And through that, I met a lady who I'm now tutoring her daughter. And so every Tuesday I go and I tutor them, and it just— yeah, it just means so much to me that the Lord opened that here. That He has me here for this season, but He's still affirming my calling to Japan and still opening Japan doors here in Mississippi, and it's just so neat to see. Yeah, speaking of Japanese in America, which there are quite quite a few all over, spread out all over the U.S. Most in here in Northeast Mississippi, due to the uh, Toyota plant that's located here, any type of business center, you can find Japanese people. And what's interesting is in Japan, the percentages of the population that are evangelical believers and and Christians is, you know, around 1% or so. And that's actually the same percentage that you find here in the U.S. of Japanese people in the U.S. They're still around that same percentage. And the Japanese believers that I know, the community there in Atlanta that I've worked with in the past, it's the same. It's still about 1% to 2% of the population, and there's that barrier mm-hmm. that for years missionaries have wondered about and prayed through, and still we don't know where that's going to go. We know that God wants a fruitful harvest. We know he wants more and more of the Japanese people to, to come and worship him. And so there's a need. Uh, I say mm-hmm. all that to just say there's a need, and it's all around you, of Japanese people in America that need to hear the gospel, and they need to build relationships with American Christians. Relationships. Yes, sir. That was true in Japan, and it's also true here. Yes, sir. In other words, they brought their—they may have come to America, but part of their background and culture is still Coming with them. Coming with them, yeah. And how do you get through that, especially the little the girl that you're tutoring? I bet the relationship there, the younger you start, the easier it might be. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I think that you just have to break through the awkwardness, because I think that sometimes when we see someone who's different than us, especially from a different culture, at first we can be a little standoffish. And it's not because we're rude. It's just because we just feel awkward. We're not sure how to do that. So you just have to do it. I mean, you just have to push say, through. you just got to push through <laughs> it and um, be the first one to talk, to be the first one to make the first step. But that's what you have to do in order to, you have to be the, you have to do the first step and you have to 
force yourself not to be shy. And even if it feels awkward, you just have to do it anyways. And then ask the Lord to guide you and guide each conversation and be spirit led and all of that. When you're attuned to him, like it, it's good. <laughs> I, I want to follow up on this. And it's the issue of your dad and you making all these trips, him calling me, initiating that. <laughs> How vital is it to have a background where you're supported the way you are? It's so important. I know some missionaries who um, don't have supportive families, and it's hard for them. So for me, it's it's really encouraging. And But just not in missions, but just throughout my life. I didn't become a Christian until college. But even growing up, my dad was always pouring into me and investing in me spiritually, regardless that I wasn't a Christian until later. And so that's really important. I remember in college when I first, like one thing that really impacted, I guess, my college years and even into now, my degree in college was in Bible. So I was learning a lot in my head. I was learning a lot up here. (laughs) Know Um, a lot about, but not know him. Exactly. And so my dad was always encouraging me to keep connecting it to my heart. And I remember him saying, he's like, as you're learning all this stuff and filling your mind, don't forget to let it fill your heart. So that's something that I'm always praying through, something that has affected me not through college, but also through my years now is to, like, God is working stuff in me and I need to work it out of me and let it work in my heart. And so it's really important to have someone behind you. And if you don't have your parents behind you, there's somebody and you just have to latch on to them and appreciate them. We're talking to Brittany Burkeen. She's from Raymer, Tennessee. She is uh, involved in missions and preparing for missions. As you prepare for missions and you do in discipleship, I see that connection that you are a one-on-one kind of person. I am. <laughs> How does that work even uh, when you were over there as a student missionary? How does that you know, you've got to make that connection. If yeah. you're a one-on-one person, you've got to initiate it, don't you? Uh, you do. Yeah, you have to initiate it. So, like, say I'm in, I, I can explain one thing. Um, one day we were at a university, um, Nagoya Gakuen University in uh, Nagoya. Say that again. Nagoya Gakuen. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're saying that. <laughs> and there was a crowd of people, and some of them were Christians, some weren't, a crowd of Japanese people. So I just had to initiate it and jump in that crowd and introduce myself. And I'm already a foreigner, so I'm already I already looked in for it. So they're gonna kind of, you know, I mean, it's easy to know. You can't me. hide. I right. can't hide uh, okay. in Japan. So I just I just initiated a friendship with this one girl named Valencia, and turns out she was a Christian. Um, and so I met with her in the group once a week. But then I would say, okay, let's go hang out at this coffee shop, or let's stay a little later than them. And so um, throughout that, that was a huge, I think that was just so special to me that summer, a relationship with her. We would meet every week and we would pray together and study the Bible together. I remember one of my last weeks there, I was late coming into the cafeteria. And when I walked in, I noticed another girl with her and another Japanese girl. And she had her Bible open sharing her or telling her about Jesus. And so it was so neat to see her now taking like, just having a heart for our own people and taking us up to that. How important is one person? Think about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. That one person goes back to Ethiopia, and years later when they were doing missions in Africa, they found believers already in Ethiopia. And it was no doubt connected to that one person 
going. That that one person, you say, oh man, you need to reach the masses. Oh, you need to meet. You need to reach that one person, one mm-hmm. person at a time at least. Yeah, it starts with one, and and it would multiply out from there. I mean, that's the key to reaching Japan or anywhere is that person that that God is. See, God knows. So you know, we're we're just kind of trusting Him to lead us to that person, and uh, God will take it and and run with it. I want to go back a little bit, Brittany, if you if you don't mind. And at the very beginning uh, of this interview, you mentioned that you're kind of in a process now of not only preparing to go to uh, East Asia there and and work with the Japanese, but right now you're in the m- middle of shaping your calling. Your calling is being shaped. I would love for you to explain what you mean by that. And you also mentioned that, like at at, at college, you were you were saved, and then you felt called to mm-hmm. missions, and then now your calling is being shaped. Tell us what do you what do you mean by okay. that? Okay, well, I know that that phrase "felt the calling" can sometimes be tricky, and people, um, it's easy to think that a calling is some big emotional thing, and um, it's not necessarily an emotional thing. I have a, I found a good illustration of about a calling a few weeks back. Charles Spurgeon compares it to a goad, G-O-A-D, goad. And that um, word is used in Acts when Paul is sharing his story. And and Jesus says to him, why are you ignoring the goads? And so the goad in that time frame was a tool used on an ox. So one end of it was sort of like a hoe and you would um, move the dirt around. But then the goad, you would prick the ox and keep moving him. And so... Charles Spurgeon is saying sometimes the goat is sort of like God just keep pricking your heart, keep moving your heart. And so that first trip to China, that's really when it began. The Lord began to just open my eyes to the world around me and break my heart for them. He, I saw their situation. Like I saw that they were in need of him. I saw someone needing him. So he pricked my heart with that. Like he goaded my heart and gave me a burden for them. And then he just grew it over time. But it was definitely something that I had to surrender to. There's a point where I have to be, I'm, I play a part in it and I surrendered to him. I didn't know what that, I knew that he was pricking my heart with something. And so I just surrendered to him. And it says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified over Christ. It's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. So I live this life now in him who loved me and gave himself for me. And so I'm, um, my life is now his. And so I surrendered how it to that calling, whatever that looked like. Um, and then that time in Japan, when he has answered that prayer over and over, and he just constantly connects me with Japanese people and constantly gives me a love for them. And like this semester, definitely, he's definitely done it over the past years, opening up opportunities for me to go. Um, but especially this year, uh, last year, um, I did a lot of different things. My life has been constant changing, but it's been good because the Lord has done that changing. So as long as I'm following him, I'm good. But I taught at a school for a little bit just for a semester. And um, after that ended, I really wasn't sure what the next step was. And, you know, one time when I was in college, my professor um, encouraged me with his world advice. And um, he said, instead of you making a list of everything that you want to do and giving it to the Lord, you need to get a blank piece of paper and sign your name out on it and give it to him. Give him that blank piece of paper. And so, you know, I've done that throughout the year. Like I, when I became a Christian, I surrendered my life to him. When he called me to missions, I surrendered everything to him. And then now it was like last year, it was like, okay, I'm surrendering 
every single day to you, every single moment. It's not just some big thing. It's like an everyday thing. And so I just gave him my entire, like all my days. And so I start every week, every month, every day, asking him to fill it as he pleases, asking Psalm 127 that he will build it. And um, since then, he's really shaped my calling. And what I mean by that is that he constantly brings things into my life that continue goading my heart for the Japanese. And that was like last, I went back to Japan this December and that was just another little piece. And then he's opened up doors here with me tutoring the Japanese family and me helping out with ESL and just continuing, continuing that calling. Yeah. Very good. That sounds like, you know, we believe that all of all believers are called and even into to at least to a missional life, to living a life on mission, whether you're called overseas work or staying at home and working. We have a calling to serve the Lord in some ways. I love how you describe that, how that's that's really for all of us to not ignore the way God is pricking and goading our hearts and in, in leading us and is following in step with him on a day-by-day basis, mm-hmm. daily surrender. We've had today on Exploring Missions, Brittany Burkeen from Raymer, Tennessee, graduate of Blue Mountain College, and I just, I'm a graduate there, Nathan's a graduate, my we're, wife's a We're a little a bit biased. <laughs> we're a little bit biased, but it shaped, you used mm-hmm. the word shaped, yes, sir. Uh, that experience shaped who, who I was as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My professor back then was James Travis. He's since gone to be of the Lord, but the enthusiasm he brought to sharing the word of God mm-hmm. was contagious and it fit my personality. It's not only shaping, but it's freeing you. That's the other word that I'd, God is freeing Brittany to be who God's called her to be. And it's exciting to see Brittany. And I can't wait for the two, well, I hate to say two years pass, <laughs> but after you get those two years of seminary finished and seeing what God's doing and how he uses you in Japan, we want to hear more from you. Yeah. Would you make sure yes, and come back? Yep. <laughs> and, and Daniel, you keep listening to Exploring Missions. We appreciate you doing that and making that connection. Nathan, it's always good to see someone God's called and using for his glory. Amen. It is. You've been listening to Exploring Missions on the American Family Radio Network. We pray that God would use you on mission as you carry out the Great Commission at another nation or around the street. AFA Journal helps you stay in touch with issues of the day. Articles by award-winning writers open your eyes with different perspectives. Shorter pieces document current trends. You'll find monthly columns by financial expert Dan Celia and AFA President Tim Wildman. Even the ads put you in touch with various AFA departments and other ministry organizations. Subscribe to the AFA Journal and stay up to date on the American Family Association and the Culture War when you visit afajournal.org. American Family Coffee is coffee with a cause. Not only is it a delicious way to start your day, but it can also wake you up to the idea of supporting the American Family Association through a product you'd normally buy anyway. And you know, there's almost nothing as wholesome and basic to American culture as a good cup of coffee. Choose from morning blend, 
evening blend, and everything in between. Get your American Family Coffee and support the American Family Association at afastore.net.